Hi friends, today's episode is sponsored by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is the industry leader in online accountability software. I've used Covenant Eyes personally for well over a decade, and we also use their service in our ministry. Through our partnership with Covenant Eyes, you can try out their services for free for 30 days when you enroll at CovenantEyes.com and use our promo code BEBROKEN. That's CovenantEyes.com and promo code BEBROKEN. The link is also in today's show notes. So sign up today for Covenant Eyes and discover the freedom that comes with online accountability. Hey, listeners and viewers, welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan. I'm with Stephen Cervantes. So hey, Jonathan. How are you doing? Here. Thank you, sir. Good, I'm feeling good, blessed, good. alive, and grateful. Yeah, so um, folks, we are, uh, when you see this program or hear this program, we're going to be about halfway through 2021. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we want to let you know that we are a listener supported program and sometimes in the summer months, you know, it's a little leaner in terms of uh, giving and support. And so if you've got, you know, a few extra bucks that you'd like to throw our way because um, you are benefiting from what we're doing, we'd be grateful. It really helps us to continue to expand the reach of our programs to be able to respond to every single person that contacts us. Um, One of our core values here is that we're personal in our communication. So we really, we really do, connect with every single person that contacts us uh, because we want to help them along their journey. So you can go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link if you'd like to support us. So Stephen. Yes, sir. Open or closed? You open know. or closed? I've been playing with this idea. Are you open or are you closed? And what do you mean by that? How would people see you as an open emotional person or a closed emotional person? a growing and learning and open emotional person or a fixed, set, closed, hunker down emotional person? Can it depend on what time of day they catch me? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to read you some stories and you're going to tell me, make some observation about how open to growth and receptivity and learning this person is or how closed. Okay. Person number one. I'm talking to this nurse, and I tell her I'm doing a survey. And the question is this, how come we don't know ourselves better? How come deep emotional talking is so difficult? And this nurse just lights up and beams, and she says, I taught my boyfriend how to do it. We've been dating for a while. And I've been training him for the last several months. And he says he's starting to like it. Then he made the statement to me. He said, I never learned to use emotional language mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Now, this is about the boyfriend. This is about a conversation of open and closeness and a little survey that was being done by me to a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, is the boyfriend open or closed in this story? What if I could say he's opening? Oh, that's good. Because it sounds like prior to that, he 
most likely was more closed because he didn't have the language. Language is huge in terms of being able to know whether or not we're connecting on a, a, you know, and what I mean by language is, don't you think there's sort of like layers of what language can describe? In other words, the top layer is we're just going to be functional. Right. Like yeah. there's things to be done. There's work to get done. Sure, there's, you know, yeah. dishes to be clean. There's the yeah. dog to be. And and all of us can talk yes. at that level. There's yes. no there's no uh, personal disclosure or uh, personal threat really mm. at that level of communication. This needs to get done. You need to do it. I'll communicate to you and then you do it. That kind of a thing. What I hear you talking about is this emotional language is saying, now I have to make I feel statements. Right. And what this guy is saying is, I never had that language before. I never been in a conversation where that oh was the goodness. kind of language we didn't you were have using. those yeah. conversations. We didn't talk about our fears, our doubts, our wants, our needs, our sadnesses. Now I want to commend this guy because he's saying that he likes it. He's, yeah, but some, isn't that how we're designed to be known and loved? And we have to go to the closed off places and go. Can you love me there too? But I, but I think I, I agree. Yes, but I think sometimes. The reason that some people are closed is because they maybe dipped their toe in that water sure, at some absolutely. point, and they got hammered. Yeah, you know, they got rejected, they got you know too painful, scolded or whatever. Okay. So I think you know I commend this guy. And I commend this girlfriend, <gasps> fabulous, too, for saying, Perfect. "Hey, I'm, I'm kind of putting this guy in training and and, and we talked him about this. emotional skills, excellent emotional, having a long vision, yeah. dealing with resistance and pain and." And knowing it's a God thing, and it's like we, you almost get a God response here. It's like, mm-hmm. I love it. There's greater love here. There's greater connection. Story number two. This woman told me the story one day about her youth, okay? So she's about 30 years old when she's telling me the story. But she says, in high school, I poured myself into my musical instrument. And when I was in seventh grade, I beat out the high school seniors, they hated me (laughs) because I practiced day and night in the summer and a seventh grader could beat a 12th grader. So she said, I eventually became leader of the band and we would take these band trips and we'd go to small towns and football games and travel. But I sat on the front of the bus while everybody else was behind me laughing and talking, cutting up and messing around. I sat alone and I read a book. Um, And then I started paying attention to my family. And she said, when I was growing up, my mom and I were at odds all the time. My father didn't talk. My mother and I argued. And my goal was to get to my bedroom so I could read a book. Mm. So my mother said, get in here and help me in the kitchen. So I'd splash water around. I'd drop something. I'd make a mess. And my mother would send me to my room so I could be alone and read my books. That was my training. So so there's several pieces to this, Mm -hmm. but how well do you think she's going to be at being open to deep dialogue? Oh, yeah. No, she's totally closed. And she came from, it uh, sounds like a closed system, too, where it was like the the value was more on kind of appearances and and things being orderly 
Because, like, hey, if you're going to drop something and immediately be dismissed because it's like, no, I don't want you around here to help with dishes or whatever, you're going to be yeah. like that. Um, and and just, uh, you know, the other thing, too, that I see in this is that probably um, in her home life, excellence was praised, mm. not emotion. Because, hey, she's number one at seventh grade in the band you know, beating out seniors in high school. And so I'm sure part of the system that she was raised in mm. was going to place a higher value on, you know, musical excellence, excellence or, yeah. or academic excellence or whatever. Yeah. And really sort of who cares about what you feel about anything. Um, and of course, then also the fact that she was a, this, this part of her escape was reading. I'm sure she had a very robust fantasy life. Oh my goodness. Of language and metaphors and yeah. relationships in books. Yeah. Right. But not tried and true tested in real life. So story number three, I'm listening to this uh, senior adult male talk and he's a retired school counselor. And he tells this story about being in college and working on his master's to get his counseling degree. And he said, one of the classes we had to take was groups, conducting groups, being in groups. So what they did is they broke us up into groups of eight and they put us in groups. And it was a 10 week course. And so for eight weeks, we were in group of eight. And Look, I'm a private person, he said. And they put me in a group and they wanted me to talk. No way I'm talking to strangers. No way I'm opening up. So for this eight weeks of group experience, I went every day into that group. I sat there for an hour and I left. And I never said one word. He said, I passed the class because I went. Wow. But he was smiling. He said, they never made me talk. Wow. Well, I when whenever somebody um, in this context says, I'm a private person, to me, that's a euphemism for I'm emotionally closed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. But but this is phenomenal. I mean, to, to go through eight weeks of a group and not even be asked to say something. I mean, I'm just I'm sure away. he was asked. Okay. But he, he was proud. They he never made me talk. They set me up to talk. I don't talk. I stay inside myself. Mm. They didn't crack me open. That was the attitude that came across. I won. I beat them. Oh, wow. And I thought to myself, how's that? Yeah. That's... You missed it, you know? Yeah. Describe your you know, variables for what winning looks like. I mean, to me, to, to be totally isolated alone, you know, not connected, mm. uh, you know, I think this is, you know, this, the fact that this guy was a little bit older, I think some of that, you know, we can even see generationally, right? Right. That yes. sometimes there were certain generations, even in themselves, that it was like certain collective values were had around, mm talking around sharing emotions. I know that for my father who was, you know, born in the late thirties, that whole generation, um, it was almost like an unspoken rule. It certainly was an unspoken rule because it wasn't about, it was about not talking that, Oh, listen, you don't, 
you, you know, kids are to be seen and not heard. You know, there's a certain image right. that that family is supposed to have. And certainly kids come at the very end and their emotions don't matter and just you mm. know, buck up. Yeah, that's some of the training, right? That yeah. you have to overcome. How good are you going to be in a relationship if that's your plan? And let, let me let me say this too. I think when I think we can't overstate how vital that growing up environment is to shaping the openness or closeness of a person right. uh, emotionally. And think about it that's going to keep perpetuating generationally until something breaks. So if, you know, if you come from a closed emotional system in your family growing up, that's what's familiar. That's what you know. And right. so like, like even in my case, it's like, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to break so that, you know, <laughs> that's so good thing generationally. But I, I certainly did not do that perfectly. And my kids are launching off into adulthood yeah. and I'm seeing things where I'm going, yeah, you know, there's still a lot of room for growth in this area. And I have to confess, I I miss some things in my kids that I wish now I would have talked about and faced or confronted. It's it's difficult. And the thing so, is, um, uh, you're a counselor and I'm a minister. <laughs> and is it okay that we admit uh, these failures? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We're humans. So next story. This son is telling me about his dad. He said, I know my dad loved me. He stood up several times when I needed him to. He was a handyman type guy. He was always doing chores. We were always working. He'd come home from work, take a little break, then we'd go work on the lawn, work on the garage. We were always working, painting, fixing something. And he'd take a break and watch a little bit of TV. But he was always on the move. But this boy felt like I didn't know my dad very well. We did chores. We stood side by side and painted things and fixed things. But I didn't know him very well. So he said the son would wait until the dad read the newspaper. So he'd sit there for 20, 25, 30 minutes. And when the son saw the father put the newspaper down, he ran over to his dad. And he said, hey, dad, dad, what did you just read? Because he wanted his son to talk to him about something. He was trying to crack his dad. Oh, he wanted something from his father. He, what'd you read, Dad? You've been sitting here looking at this paper for 25 minutes. What did you read? Just give me one idea inside you, Dad. And he, the father said, nothing. The boy said, I did it three times. Dad, Dad, what did you read? Nothing. Dad, 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 what did you read, Dad? Nothing. Mm. And after the third time, he stopped asking his father. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely closed. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, to read a story like that or to hear a story like that, it's so starkly obvious, right? What's going on in that scenario, what this boy is wanting, what the dad should do, right? I mean, if you're, if you were sort of watching this story, if you were a fly on that wall mm. in that living room, you would know what needs to happen here for that son to feel connected to his father, for the dad to, to, you know, be able to dialogue with his son. And yet there's such blindness, right? In, in the, in a father who, for whatever reason is saying, I don't want to engage my son. 
like I'll engage him when there's a task to be done, like the lawn needs to get mowed or we need to clean something up or whatever. But in terms of us actually connecting as a father and son, there's actually a disconnect there. Right. And sadly, I, I don't think this is terribly uncommon in a lot of father-son mm-hmm. relationships. And some of this, I think, is, is again, due to whatever that training was for that dad right. growing up. The other thing is I think there is still some residual effects of some of the generations of old training between fathers and sons specifically that it was almost seen as weak and wrong Mm. and negative for there to be an emotional intimate bond between a father and son. Mm. Wow. Which is crazy because I think that's only really, uh, that's only in recent history. I think when you go back into ancient times, it, it did not seem uncommon at all that there would be an intimate relationship between a father and son. I mean, even even God, when he's describing how he cared for the Israelites, bringing them out of Egypt, oh, right. he said, I carried you like a father <laughs> carries a son, uh, you know? So it, it would have been known back then, like, no, a dad's always going to embrace his son. And so it's only been in modern times that I think this idea of, Oh, you want you want to you want to raise that boy to be tough, and you want to raise him right. to be a man, and all this, and somehow that means don't have a, an intimate emotional connection with your boy. So, um, there's a story that was told to me about a dinner party, and there are four or five people sitting around this table, and at first it's appetizer and talk and banter, and then one of the guests starts talking, and he talks. For 50 minutes, almost without interruption. Oh, my goodness. He starts talking about outdoor stories. The time he went out to this lake, and it was a beautiful lake, and he spent five minutes on the lake story. And then he rolled into a hunting story, and he spent five or eight minutes on a hunting story. And and then he, he just went on a, a hiking he rolled from one story to the water, to the mountains, to the hiking, to the deer, to the cleaning the fish. He, people, he, he never stopped. People tried to get in the conversation and he just kept going with the story. After 50 minutes, everybody was exhausted. <laughs> nobody was asking a question. Nobody was engaged. Um, in that Guy thought it was a wonderful evening. Sure. He just said, man, I had a great time. I want to come over. Let's do this again. What do you think? So this is one of those stories, I think, that that proves that words alone do not mean that you're emotionally open. Uh, that's good. Because basically what did this guy do? He just sort of did a one-man act. <laughs> like it was a performance. Right. In a sense, I, I mean, what I mean is somebody can tell stories for an hour. And entertain and, you. And you and, don't know them. No, that's exactly my point. That's beautiful. They entertained you. They made you laugh. They talked about these things and people and places. And it's like, okay, you've given me a lot of information and I don't know a thing about you. 
like, okay, so you've gone to Italy or you've gone here and you've gone there and you've done this and you've done that and you've fished and you've hunted and you told me how big that buck was that you shot. And, right. all and, and at the end of all of that, you're scratching your head going, but who are you? Like, you're a character in all of these stories that you're telling me about. But that character, you have you haven't developed the character. I don't know who the or character is. I don't know who you are. Or humanity and yeah. real life about ups and downs and now how do you here's one of the things that I I'm curious about because I, I've known some people like this, that they're great storytellers and I've never known them. Um mm. usually, at least in my experience, these people are completely blind to the reality that that they are unknown to, by others. Yeah, they don't even how, know. That's an excellent point. How do we help someone yeah. to try to be more open emotionally when they're completely blind? They may be really talkative, really kind of life of the party, all this, but but they don't see that they're still actually closed off emotionally. Um, and I'm, well, you do a podcast just like yeah. this, and then you make the comment you just made because there are people out there going, oh, my goodness, this is why every time I go to Harry's house, I come home exhausted, and I didn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. Harry Dog or Sally, right? I mean, we're telling these stories so people can use them as like templates. Where are the people around you? Who's open? Who's growing? And who's closed? And who wants? Who's hungry? Who's receptive? Who wants to go on a growth journey with you versus you don't you don't even know that you don't know? Well, so here's one of the things that came out in this story, you know, it said that that uh, no one asked him a question. So would that be a place to start? Maybe not at the dinner party, yeah. but be able to. You but, know, but I think you're afraid to ask anything because they take off again. That's true. Yeah, Right. If they knew the rhythm, you talk. The rhythm of talking is I talk. Then you say something that's in sync with me, or you don't. But can you interject questions? Like, for instance, okay, this guy, you know, had this amazing hunting experience, and he killed this, you know, 15-point buck or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, can you interject say, what, what did that feel like? I mean, is any of that valuable to trying to at least... Okay, well, let's think about this. Am I in charge of you? <laughs> no. Am I a mirror that has to make you see you, Right. Because I say, God, God, do you hear this child of yours? Could, could you do something here? This is exhausting, right? <laughs> because remember, my rule is I help people who ask me to help them. If you're perfectly happy and content in your ignorance, why am I going to mess that up? Stay that way and die. <laughs> it's you're on a mission with your God, Right. It makes my life a lot easier. If I got to fix people when they don't even know they're broken, I have to teach them they're broken. They're going to be mad at me. And then I'm going to show them how they're broken. They're going to be mad at me. Yeah, and they're going to, yeah. right, at some point. So if you ask me, I'll go. So it's very unlikely that we even have any listeners who are this guy. No, that's a beautiful observation. <laughs> Everybody listening is hungry. Yeah. Because nobody's going to probably pop onto this podcast who says, hey, I've got all the answers and I've, I've got a story to tell you. That's right. I'm never going to shut up. <laughs> that's right. You know? No, that's right. Because they want to learn about themselves and yeah. about what's going on. Why do you create discomfort in me? But I like that this may also be instructive for those people when they're in the space with somebody like this and say, okay, where do my boundaries come in here in terms of 
not getting sucked into the exhaustion. Yeah. And how do I interact? This and what's the best way to? Yeah. Play? How can I? How can I be gentle and loving, but not get swept away into their right, right. closeness? Because some people get mad when you challenge them and sure. you ask them for things. Like we're having a dinner party. The host, it's their house. They yeah. rule. If you want the stories for 50 minutes, fine. I'm probably not coming to too many where I have to endure the pain and suffering. I'll stay and make an excuse and leave after 20 minutes. Or <laughs> I'll do something. I don't have to be abused here. But And obviously, this conversa- the, these stories, we're, wanting, we're, we're, we're hoping that the folks in our audience want to move towards being more open Absolutely. emotionally. And some of these, these closed stories might help them see where either in themselves – They've been more closed. Maybe some of the the history that mm-hmm. they've grown up in has been more closed, and so they maybe want to change those patterns. Right, and that's the point. Uh, open people are healthy eyes. We love those people. They're magnets. Open, healthy people. Anybody will come to you and talk to you about anything and feel very safe. That's not the problem. It's yeah. being in a relationship with a closed person and the damage it does and the limitation it does and the smallness and the repetitive and we're stuck and we're not growing and I'm lonely. I mean, that's what we're – because I think you ask a very valid question. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, you talk to Abba and say, God, this person is so closed up. You better make me even stronger and you better equip me to go into the fire and get burned some and come back out because they're worth saving, mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, there is a position there. I think, and I think also that. one of the things too, it it does make a difference what kind of relationship you are in with these closed people. There's right. a difference between Absolutely. being in a marriage with a closed person and having to wrestle and struggle through that, and 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 uh, you know commit to the enduring nature of of dealing with that. Yeah. It's another thing to say, "Hey, I've got a neighbor who invites us over to dinner dinner parties, and he won't shut up." I don't have to be in the same kind of relationship. No, I don't go very often, that, <laughs> but I'll go be social. Yeah. Then I'll get them go to the bathroom, wash my hands a few times, <laughs> check my phone, or go get a drink of water. I mean, you know, you yeah. can be an adult in this situation. So, so I hear this story. This woman says, I knew my dad loved me. I was a teenage girl. He and mom had conflict. They didn't talk much. Uh, mom always opened up to me, but dad never did. He was there. He was a provider. He was a protector. But it was difficult for me as a young girl to connect with my father. So one day I I took a risk. At supper, we're all sitting around the table, and there's six people in the family. And the girl, this teenage daughter, sort of tears up and, and says, Dad... She feels like it's a safe place because everybody's there. I'm not doing sure, this yeah. alone. Mom's there. Brothers and sisters are there. She says, Dad, I want to know you. I don't know you, Dad. I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want you to tell me about yourself. And she was trying to get her dad to open up some. Um, I want to know what you think, Dad, and what you struggle with. You're, you're kind of a mystery to me. The dad keeps his head down. He keeps eating. His daughter's crying now. Mm. Everybody else is silent. Then there's a long pause when she stops. And he raises his head and he says, if you don't know me now, you never will. Mm. Then he goes back to finishing his meal. Everybody sits there quietly and then leaves at the earliest convenient moment. 
Oh, wow. That is, um, that's not a, that's not only closed, that is repellent. Mm. Like it's one thing to be closed emotionally and be sort of ignorant of that and just kind of, um, it's, it's more benign in the sense of like, Hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of a passive closed person here, but this is almost like I'm going to stiff arm my daughter. In other words, I'm going to say something that not only will make it clear that I'm closed, but I don't want you to ever pursue me again. Oh, well. Because, I mean, what kind of – how could she ever consider pursuing him again after that? You know what's interesting about this story is that in counseling they say when mom and dad have conflict – a child will act like the parent. Yeah. And it's almost like this daughter is saying what the mother wants to say. Mm. I want to know you. Open up. Yeah. Right? And so the daughter can step in. It's too painful for the wife. They've had enough conflict and whatever, right? They have routine and it never works. And now the daughter's going to step in and invite mm. the dad to open up. Yeah. So yeah. this was just an attempt. Now, when, let me see one other thing. When you say the dad's stiff arm, remember, we're driven by fear. Yeah. So the father had to push the daughter away, probably like he pushed his wife away, mm-hmm. like he probably pushes everybody away. Because if this is your, if you're, you think you're supposed to be closed and closed is survival and closed is the only way to live and you don't have language and you don't understand the beauty of the connection. You live in survival mode. Yeah. So many close people are just living survival. Yeah. Wow. Well, these stories, um, hopefully listeners, this has helped you kind of get some bearings, maybe even some of your own relationships. Maybe it's even exposed some things in yourself uh, where where you're needing further work mm-hmm. on um, becoming more open emotionally so that you can have better connections in your relationships. Maybe it's also giving you some insights on some other people in your life of how can I, how can I maybe navigate a relationship with somebody who is more closed? Um, if you've got questions or you just want more help on your own journey, um, please reach out to us. We'd love to be able to walk alongside and, and help you. Yes. Um, thanks again for being with us. And we do look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Thank Take you. Care. God bless. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.